0: Takes temperature. Your home for UNLV Athletics is right here on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 a.m. and 100.9 FM, KWWN Las Vegas. Remix. He's never seen a steak that is too gray. He once ate half a box of Cheez Its for lunch and finished off the other half for dinner he has eaten exactly one taco in his life he is mike grill
1: have tacos changed that much since i tried one
2: mike grimala are you sweating again <laughs> not yet uh, but i don't like this we had a delivery thanks to kira kira bringing by Another food item for Mike Grimala to try. Mike Grimala and his infamous palate. Um, what we have here is a Taco Bell breakfast burrito.
1: I didn't even know that Taco Bell had breakfast. No, they do but have do.
2: breakfast, and we got a breakfast burrito here. Uh, I did not actually get this. Assuming I'm assuming this is a breakfast burrito that has egg, bacon, and hash brown uh, in it. That was the order I put in, but... Hey, it's Taco Bell.
1: On their own. There's a tortilla in there somewhere. On their own, those things are fine. I don't want them all rolled up into one and, you know, mashed against each other and wrapped up in some kind of outer coating. It's a tortilla.
0: <laughs> it's I don't, w- that I don't want
1: that.
2: I don't want a tortilla. <laughs> Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Mike Ramallah tries a Taco Bell <laughs> breakfast burrito. I hope. Like, do I need to go find some Get, Xanax? Bring, bring me a knife and a fork, and I'll a knife I'll, and a fork. Let, let me You're not going dis- to deconstruct let me the Taco Bell bur- or Taco Bell breakfast. you were going to eat it like a burrito. Two hands on it, and bite it. <laughs>
1: I don't want to. <laughs> do I have to? Ten minutes. Am I obligated to do this just because I'm on the air? You're going to yes, bully me into eating that's this? That's
2: exactly how this works around here. Ten minutes away. Now, fun topic, fun story from Mike Ramallah. You got uh, ticket numbers from UNLV about refunds. So UNLV implemented a vaccine mandate to attend UNLV games at Thomas and Mac, Uh, UNLV and the Raiders were the only two teams to do this in Las Vegas. Uh, It basically allows people that are at the game. You don't have to wear a mask or anything. There's no enforcing the mask policy like you have to at Golden Knights games, which, by the way, is not enforced. But you have to prove vaccination that you are vaccinated to enter a UNLV game at Thomas and Mac. Uh, As I'm sure you have a lot of people on Twitter uh, throughout this year have complained about it. And have complained that UNLV's poor attendance this year is in part due to the vaccine mandate. And if they lifted it, there'd be higher attendance. According to Mike Gramala, who's sitting right there, 156 season tickets were refunded after UNLV implemented a vaccine mandate at Thomas and Mac. 120 tickets were asked to be rolled over to next year. That is two hundred and seventy-six season tickets in total that people said, Oh, a vaccine mandate. No,
1: thank you. And that's not season ticket holders. That's actual season tickets. And very few oh, people. Wow. Very few people buy one season ticket. So it's we're e- talking a hundred people. people. Yeah. Like a hundred accounts or people. Like it's it's nothing. In the grand scheme of your attendance, it's nothing. It makes no impact. And I knew it was going to happen when I posted the story, but ever since then, it's just your mentions on Twitter. The people who are just like normal and rational, they just don't comment and they're just like, okay, yeah, 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 that makes sense to me. That's of course. But everyone who comments, like the very, very loud minority... All 100 oh, of those people. That that's not true because of this. That's not true because of it. It's oh, you're only looking at season tickets that um, people refunded. It's well, there were also people that could have rolled over. It's oh, you're not looking at single game uh, tickets. Well, there's also only a hundred. There's less than a hundred. There's only sixty something se- single game tickets that have been refunded. It's like that oh, you're was... not looking at walk ups. It's like well, they played games at Mandalay Bay with no mandate
2: and no one walked up to those. because, like every single data point says like this doesn't matter. That was my favorite response to your story was the amount of people that said this doesn't account for single game tickets because single game tickets make a big impact on attendance at UNLV games. And you actually had the number that there were 60 something single game tickets that were refunded. This has been the perfect season to test out whether or not that's accurate because UNLV played four basketball games in Las Vegas at an arena that did not require a vaccine mandate and tickets that were not a part of the season ticket package, meaning the only way to go to them was to buy a single-game ticket. And in the first set of games at T-Mobile Arena, UNLV's attendance was so bad that they played on a Sunday night and there were more people from Wichita, Kansas than there were cheering for UNLV. UNLV had the fourth-most fans, At a basketball game in Las Vegas behind Arizona, Michigan, and Wichita State fans. Again, in Las Vegas, no vaccine mandate. And then they played more games at Mandalay Bay. And there were so few people that bought single game tickets to an event without a vaccine mandate that they had to give away 2,500 free tickets to get anybody to show up. Nobody cares about the vaccine mandate. That is not why nobody's showing up to these games. They're not showing up because they struggle to beat Omaha.
1: There is another team in town that has a vaccine mandate on their stadium, and they did not have any problem drawing fans this year. It was like every single point of data that we have just says that this is a a very, very, very tiny percentage of fans who are affected by this, who are holding out because of a vaccine mandate. The only problem is that It's a, those people are very vocal about it. So like, if you go on social media, it seems like a very unpopular decision to have vaccine mandates, but that's just because the people who agree with it, just see that story and just pass on by right
2: now, big picture for UNLV and attendance, because the attendance is bad because the team is bad and it's been bad for almost a decade now, right? We're going on eight years of this team not going to the NCAA tournament. 8 years of this team not even being relevant, not even on the bubble in any of those years. Do you think the Thomas and Mack will be full again? Or have we reached a point where the NFL is here, the NHL is here, major league soccer is coming, uh the NBA might end up coming, major league baseball, the A's have been floating here like we we've got pro sports, we're going to get more pro sports. Like if we reached a point where UNLV basketball even if they get back to, you know, a relevant NCAA tournament bubble team, are they getting 10,000 plus people in Thomas and Mac? Are they selling Thomas and Mac out ever again?
1: 10,000 would have been a bad crowd for them, you know, 10 years ago. Like they're, they, if you look, if you go back and like, they were like t- top twenty since tight. They were every year nationally, top 10, top five in attendance because their arena is huge and they would fill it up or almost fill it up every night. So it's never going to be back to 18,000 people. Every game can they get back to 10,000 and at least give you some sort of home court advantage? I think so. But the issue is it's going to take so long. You've been bad for so long that you've lost a generation of fans. Like my, my boss at the sun likes to say his, uh, he says, you know, the people who are still diehards of this program are too old to get up the stairs now. So they don't show up to games <laughs> You've lost that, that
2: next has generation written that line in the story. I don't know. Cause he well, needs to, he, he, but he's
1: yeah. That's he, that's <laughs> what he believes as he's Grimaldi, These, these fans, they just can't get up the stairs. They can't go to the games. It's like, it's, they're too old. Um, we need to get Hoyers. <laughs> it's so it, they've been so bad for so long that it's win like the fan base has winnowed so much that you'd have to be good for a very long time to be. You're basically building back from scratch so you'd have to be good for five, 10 years straight in the NCAA tournament. And the issue is, what coach is going to do that and right. like stick around to keep right. it going so you can have that kind of sustained year after year after year success to build it all the way back? If Kevin Kruger makes three or four NCAA tournaments and makes it to the Elite Eight or Sweet 16, he's probably going to a bigger job. So then the next guy has to start over. It's, uh,
2: it's, it's hard to see them getting all the way back there. So bring it back to this season. They start Mountain West play 10-0. How many people are showing up at Thomas and Mack for the next home game?
1: I don't think you can impact games this season. I think it's it's too. I think people plan that so far in advance. It's like, despite what people on Twitter say, like walk-up tickets do not make up a huge percentage of your tickets sold for any particular game. Um, it's just not enough time for them to permeate the the consciousness of the city to impact it. It's too quick of a turnaround. It's got to be you've got to make a run in the tournament, then be good the next season and then another tournament, and then the season after that, people start to, they've it's become conditioned in their mind, like, oh, this is a team, their games matter. Like, this game is an important game, even if it's not the biggest game of the year. So, oh, this is still game, this game matters. I need to go, I'll, I'll go to this and see, have a good time. So it's it's going to take very long time for to, to get back to that point. So
2: I think if they, their, their announced average attendance is in the 4,000 right now. It's probably 3,000 that are actually showing up to most of these games if LV were to win their first 10 Mountain West games, I think they'd be 7,000 fans in the building, right? I think they'd have a good crowd for the next few Mountain West games. I think what would be interesting is if they were to make an NCAA tournament, what would happen the next year, right? Assuming the coach comes back and it's, you know, the team, we can hype up how good the team might be. That's what I'd be curious about is to see the next year. I'd also be interested to see if this team were to ever actually make it to the Mountain West championship game. Because that's the that's the other part of this like eight years here, UNLV hasn't like they haven't even made the semis, right? Like it's been years since they've even just like, won a couple of games in the Mountain West tournament. I would be fascinated to see even if it was like a bad team. But if UNLV in their home city in their home arena made the Mountain West championship game, a game to go to the NCAA tournament, because I always say it's about ga- You got to play games that matter, games that are relevant, even if you suck. You make it to the Mountain West Tournament final. You—that's a relevant game to go to the NCAA Tournament. I'd be fascinated to see. And there's how many tickets. Fans there's
1: short. always tickets available right. for the Mountain West Tournament, even the championship game. You okay. can there. You can walk up and get a ticket if you really want to. I would like to think we normally give them away. So be <laughs> listening
0: to the press box.
2: <laughs> I would like to think they'd have a really good crowd if they made that. Even though it's it's a short turnaround, right? The semifinals the day before, and then the final, whatever. I, I, optimistically, I think they'd have a good crowd. A, it would be a noticeable home court advantage for UNLV if they actually made it to the Mountain West Championship game.
1: I don't think so. I think it takes longer for people to get on board. You can't win a game at 7 p.m. on Friday and then have 5,000 people say, "Oh man, I've got to uh, rearrange my Saturday afternoon to get to this game at three o'clock tomorrow." Like, I just don't. I think that's that's too quick. Maybe the next season. Like I, if they make it to the mountain West finals, I think you're seeing the same
2: crowd that you've pretty much seen every year. You ready for this? (sighs) Taco bell breakfast burrito. Mike for the first time, I believe in here is egg bacon and hash browns wrapped up in a tortilla. The tortilla is apparently very scary. For is there
1: anything on it besides those ingredients? Like, is there any like sauce? I don't know. Or... I
2: haven't opened it, but no, there is. Should I don't not want, be sauce. Taco I don't Bell want spices. Normally...
1: I don't want anything <laughs> dripping. I don't want anything like that.
2: There might be cheese. That is a good point. Here you go, Taco Bell breakfast burrito, micromala. He already took a bite of a sausage McGriddle this morning. He didn't like the syrup. Uh, he didn't like the sweetness with his breakfast. So there should be no sweetness in this. There, there should be absolutely no. This is so
1: unappealing. (laughs) Who would look at a tortilla and say, like, this is... Let's wrap our food in this. He's opened it to look
2: inside and see
1: what's in there. I'm allowed to look inside. I want to know what's going on. (laughs) This is gross. It's fine. What is it? Egg, bacon, hash brown? Uh, Individually, that's what it is. But you mash it all up together, and it's just like a conglomeration of
2: those things. It's not...
0: That is exactly what a burrito Ugh. is. Yeah,
2: this is very exciting. Mike Grimala going in for a bite. Are you going to eat it? Like, what is that? <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Uh, for everybody listening, he took a bite out of it horizontally. It, the
1: bacon is, I can taste the bacon more than anything else, so that's okay. I just don't like. I can taste four different things. I don't want. I don't like that. That's a good thing normally. It's not. If you if you let me open this up and eat it with a knife and a fork, I'd love it.
2: Because I like these things. I just during the break, I'll get him a knife and
1: fork. Mm. Okay. There was nothing else inside of it though. I don't think you got to the I don't think. I don't think you need the tortilla. I don't know why it's there. Just, just it's a burrito. Just it's just a delivery compartment for the rest of the food. Right,
2: because it's Taco Bell. You go through the drive thru and you eat it in your car on your way to work. Okay. And you can't use a fork and a knife while you drive. Okay. Presumably. Well well wishes to the people who want to do that. Is this better than a sausage McGriddle?
1: I like the McGriddle better. It was wow. much it was much simpler. Wow. Because it was just bread and sausage. And syrup though. Yeah, oh yeah, that's true. But no, I still like that better than I don't like this. I just don't like this. There's nothing appealing about this to me at all. The look of it, the feel of it, it's gross. It's just like so it's just soft and malleable and no. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys feeding me today. Coming up
2: next, Bischoff's briefs. That
1: is disgusting.
0: Bishop's Briefs.
2: Son, I didn't
0: understand a word you just said. Bishop's Briefs. Hey, thanks. That is not a compliment. Ah, I disagree. Bishop's Briefs.
1: Okay, well, that was just a list of complete nonsense, but you're not totally wrong.
0: Bishop's Briefs.
2: Do you feel bullied today,
1: Mike? A little bit. A little bit? A little bit, but in like a
2: team-building way. Team-building you know, way. The I way mean, it used to be allowed back in the day.
1: You were That's only hazing. That's yeah.
2: hazing. You were only required to uh, take one bite of each, the McGriddle and the breakfast burrito. You took a second bite of the breakfast burrito on your own. So I feel like you have crossed the threshold of you have done this to yourself.
1: Yeah. Well, you said that I didn't get everything in the first bite. I thought I did, but I just wanted to make sure. And so I went back in across. I went over my first... You know the first
2: incision, and I made sure that I got all three, and it was it was the same. Yeah, just again, maybe the most revolting part is Mike ate a burrito horizontally.
1: Because I wanted to get everything in the first bite, and I was looking at the way that it was wrapped. Now I'm that's the first time I've held a burrito in my hands, <laughs> so I'm looking at it, and the, if you go by the end of it. You know the the end; it's all folded over and everything. And I didn't want to get a mouthful of tortilla and nothing else. I wanted to make sure I got everything. And the, the side of it looked like the it was just one layer of tortilla, so I figured I could bite through that the easiest. I
2: can understand the efficiency of if you only want to take one bite of this breakfast burrito. Yeah,
1: that's what I'm only taking one bite of <laughs> First the thing. Time I've ever I'm going to bite it from the middle.
2: <laughs> Let's get this party started. You know. All right, Bischoff's briefs today. Las Vegas has been awarded the Super Bowl. We're getting the Super Bowl. It's coming to <laughs> Vegas. Um, and guess what? People are already lying about it. They're already lying to us about how much money. We're how much money are Bowl. we as Las Vegans going to rake in from this huge event? Each one of us is getting $500 million. Each Las Vegan. Uh, you have to be a citizen right now to get it uh, of Clark County. But you're going to get $500 million. So yesterday... Uh, after announcing that Las Vegas would host the Super Bowl in 2024, the Super Bowl host committee said that it will generate $500 million in economic activity for Las Vegas. Now, if we talk about these economic impacts, economic activities of the Super Bowl, how they're found and what they actually end up being, we've got good examples in the past. If we go back to the Super Bowl in 2015, Arizona hosted it. Uh, The first story that came out afterwards was that the Super Bowl generated $720 million in economic impact. Now, that $720 million, that came from a study that was conducted by the Super Bowl host committee, the same type of group that just told us Vegas is going to get $500 million. Now, it's important to understand, if you're on a Super Bowl host committee, it is your job to make sure that the Super Bowl looks good. So you're going to go out of your way to find ways to say, oh, look how much money this generated the area. And claiming that a city made hundreds of millions of dollars looks great. But in Arizona, after that 2015 Super Bowl, a third party did a report on the economic impact of the Super Bowl, and they found that they actually lost $579,000 by hosting the Super Bowl. Which one of those numbers just...
1: In your mind, which one just seems more plausible and more Losing reasonable? Losing
2: five hundred and seventy-nine thousand dollars, not making seven hundred million dollars.
1: One of those numbers seems a lot more likely to be closer to the truth. I'm gonna go. I'm with you that you're probably more likely to break even on, in a good year, uh, or lose a little bit of money than you are to make just this abundance of cash.
2: There was a story in the Minnesota Star Tribune about Minnesota's recently hosted Super Bowl and. They quoted an uh, an economist in there and he said most of the time I think you could reasonably say the Super Bowl makes between 30 and 100 million dollars for a host city. But they come out every year and tell you that it generated 500-700 million dollars. Now, there's a couple important notes here because it's a Super Bowl. How do you lose money on it? Mick Aker's reported yesterday that Las Vegas is going to pay 60 million dollars to host the Super Bowl. You literally have to pay the NFL money to host the Super Bowl. And on top of that, the NFL comes in and makes demands as to what you have to do as a host city from previous Super Bowls like Minnesota or Arizona or Miami, 35,000 free parking spots, free police escorts for teams, free portable cell phone towers, access to golf courses for NFL employees, paying for the team hotel rooms, and maybe the biggest one here, not having to pay city county or state taxes while the NFL is in your city so presumably the NFL is going to come to Vegas and they're not going to pay a single tax dollar while they're here which is by the way how a city county or state actually makes money is by taxing things that businesses sell or put on the NFL is not going to have to pay those assuming it's the same sort of setup because the Super Bowl operates a lot like the Olympics and the World Cup They have a list of demands for a host city or a host country, and for you to be awarded that event, you got to meet those demands, no matter how ridiculous it is, because usually there's another city or country that will do so. Now, the reason that cities get fooled into accepting these demands is because they believe that economic impact number that gets passed around, and... When you say, hey, it's going to bring $500 million to your area to have the Super Bowl, you say, well, that sounds good. We can waive taxes for the NFL for a week. That's no big deal. We're going to get $500 million. But the other part of Vegas that's interesting is this is a city that already hosts a lot of people for Super Bowl weekend. And according to the Review Journal, in 2019, the Super Bowl created an economic impact of $425 million. That Super Bowl was played in Atlanta, and yet enough people came here for them to say, "Hey, four hundred twenty-five million dollars was generated in Vegas during the Super Bowl weekend." So, if we only generate five hundred million dollars, and in a normal year we would generate four hundred twenty-five million dollars by not hosting it, and we pay lost or pay the NFL sixty million dollars. If you're doing some rough math here, don't do that math. We're making fifteen million
1: dollars. My my view of it is. Even more overarching, just the term, economic impact. Oh,
2: do you know? This is a, you're you're
1: not generating economy. You're generating an economic impact, which to me sounds like theoretical dollars and theoretical. Like it's none of this is tangible. You could say you can make up any number you want. It's going to generate five billion dollars in economic impact, and I don't know what that is. I don't think anyone could d- explain to you what economic
2: impact is. So here's one of the fun details. When we were, uh, when our legislature was voting on giving 750 million dollars, they had economic impact studies to say how much the Allegiant Stadium would be worth to Las Vegas. 100 million dollars a year was calculated into this, based on television announcers saying Las Vegas. Because what they did was they said, "Well, if we bought a commercial, it would cost us." $30,000 for that commercial, and they're going to say Las Vegas this many times a year, that's worth $100 million in economic impact. That's the ridiculous things they come up with to say, oh, yeah, of course, it's going to be great for your city. Another great thing about that was a Harvard economist basically said a city would actually be better off dropping $500 million out of a... Helicopter, helicopter and letting its like, citizens pick it up, yeah. like light style and just letting the citizens pick it up, that would
1: have
0: a greater economic impact. It
1: would because you're dropping real money. Right. You're not you're not dropping five hundred five hundred million dollars worth of impact yes. from a helicopter. Yes. So you could actually use but that money, money to do bombing. things. yeah. So,
2: yeah, most likely, Las Vegas is not going to lose a bunch of money on the Super Bowl. This is not going to be some like, oh, horrific, like, oh my God, Las Vegas is screwed because of it. Most likely Las Vegas, we're going to like break even on the Super Bowl. It's going to be a negligible amount that we make or lose hosting the Super Bowl. It's just very annoying to me that as soon as they announce it, the next words out of their mouths after Mark Davis said it's a great day for the Raiders was, oh, $500 million.
1: Like I said when I was here the other day, it's it's just good. It's nice to have. It's just exciting to have it. Why can't that be enough? Just say like, hey, people of Las Vegas, we got you the Super Bowl. It's going to be exciting for the couple of weeks while they're here um enjoy that it's going to be a lot of buzz the city's going to come
2: alive you'll you'll have a great time and it will be i no doubt about it it's i it'll it'll be fun and that's enough that should be enough for me in my profession i do sports media but it's just they're lying to you every single time they're lying to when they tell you 500 million dollars in economic impact coming up next jr Starkis joins
0: the show Ready for the weekend? Let's find out what's on tap.
2: We can provide you with a wine-tasting tour of Tuscany. We cannot change why you
0: drink. It's Thirsty Thursday with JR Starkus. Who needs a drink?
1: So we drink and we drink and we drink.
2: JR! Are you are you excited that Mike Gramala and his palate is here for you today?
0: Yes, this is uh, this is. I mean, this is better than Ed. I will say that this is incredible. Uh, I'm very excited to talk to Mike and to see um, if he would attempt uh, drinking a concoction that I would come up with virtually via my description today.
1: That's going to be a quick conversation. I think we need to, we need to find other things to talk about if we're going to stretch this interview to ten plus minutes.
0: Uh. Are, you not a, are you not a drinker?
1: I don't um, – not for any moral reasons, but I just – I can't do the taste of alcohol. <laughs> I can't do it.
0: Is there is there any – like every alcohol? So, like, it doesn't matter if it's beer or wine it or – It all tastes or, like you know, medicine
1: to me, <laughs> and you can't get rid of that taste. It doesn't leave your mouth. <laughs>
2: okay. That's, well, that's what JR I, does. Oh, no, he gets rid of that to, taste. I would love to accept There is, yeah, there is yeah. there's
1: one drink that I've tried that if I load it up with ice and I water it down and I sip it, for, you know, I can – tolerate it, um, but I've only had it a handful of times in my entire life. That's what, a... Uh, what was it? A Midori Sour. Okay, it's like awesome. a very sweet... Yeah, sweet.
0: Yeah. yeah, sweet. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, what about like a pina colada? I feel like a pina colada would be right if you're out, like, it's just like, do you not like coconut? I'm assuming you don't like coconut.
1: I don't like coconut. <laughs> yeah, naturally.
0: <laughs> like, yeah. I'm conti-
1: isn't that served I'm in a coconut? I'm going to continue
0: to run into roadblocks.
2: Have you ever had like... Uh... Shirley Temple or Pina Colada, like, virgin. No. like Like, they, they'll make it for you without alcohol.
1: No, because I don't like exotic tastes. Like, so even, like, that wouldn't... <laughs> the Grenadine. <appeal to> <laughs> just... like, I need, like, a, a the most basic-tasting alcoholic beverage that does not taste of alcohol. So whatever that would be.
2: Okay, JR, if I, like, walked up to a bar with Mike Gramala and he said, I want to have a drink, but he just told you what he told you <laughs> of what he would and would not drink... What the hell are you serving
0: him? Uh, my gosh. Um, I would probably have, to, you know, I would definitely look at like something like, like something like a creamy liqueur, maybe, um, you know, he's grimacing, he's grimacing. Yeah, no, he probably doesn't like cream either milk. I'm sure (laughs) dairy is a problem. Uh, you know, but there, uh, do you like almond milk?
2: Uh... Have I, you ever okay, I, I,
0: have, I have I have I've made I've
1: made smoothies before with unflavored almond milk. And okay. but I've never dr- I've never used it like in its natural form. I've only used it as a mixer for like a smoothie.
0: Got it. So I think I think something like like a Baileys um, like there's new there's a new one out or relatively new it's called Baileys Almond and it's a, it's Baileys like you know it but it's based from almond milk so it's not dairy. Uh, so that might be a way that I would go because I think that the, the The, this, it would be an easy enough drinker and it would have very quote unquote little alcohol flavor. So I would start with something like that. Just put it over ice so it would make it cooler. Anything that's cold generally goes down easier. Um, and it's lower in alcohol so you wouldn't get that, you wouldn't get that flight if, uh, that, that strong alcohol taste. And I heard you earlier say you don't like things that are too sweet when you try to McGriddle. Uh, so I would, it's not overly sweet, but it's got some sweetness to it. Like kind of like the two spoons of sugar makes the medicine go down kind of thing. Um, uh, so that's, that's, that's where I would go. I would go with like a Bailey's almond to, on the, on ice, um, uh, to start and then, and, and go from there.
1: And Bailey's is what, that's, what's in a mudslide, correct? Am I
0: right? Yes, correct. Okay.
1: That, that's my mom's drink. So maybe that's like kind of in my blood. Maybe I could do like a, <laughs> yeah. a Bailey's kind of base beverage. Yeah, I so. know. Yeah, I think it would be
0: perfect for you start there and then we would we would build off of it and just try to, to see if like if we can like uh, branch out a little bit from there. But that's where we'd start because if you like that, then we can build off of that.
2: Okay. Okay, hold on. I, I don't know that I've ever asked Mike about drinks. Like I was aware you didn't really drink alcohol, but like just like soda. Do you like different kinds of soda, or do you drink soda the way you eat food, where it's like, only, I only have Coke?
1: Only Coca-Cola. Really? Like, I've never had um, club soda or, like, a Dr. Pepper or You've Sprite. You've never had a
2: Dr. Pepper?
1: No. Like, I've had Sprite by accident. Like, if someone hands me the wrong, like, fountain <laughs> soda, I've had, I've you know, I'll get a, a taste of Sprite and sp- spit it out. But, like, I've only Coca-Cola. Pepsi?
2: Pepsi,
1: yeah. So okay, that, yeah. so like Co- RC Cola, Pepsi's okay. Polar so you, Cola, drink all that different is Different
2: variations of, of Coca Cola. Yeah, but not you, not Dr Pepper.
1: No, I don't even know what that what that is purported to be. Like, does that have a flavor? Like, what is
2: that? What is that flavor? Uh, there's 23 of them. Uh, I couldn't. I don't know yeah. how to describe. It. I don't know. It's it's halfway between root beer and Coke. Okay, so like I, a root beer yeah. is like there. Okay, somewhere in between there. Like, it doesn't taste yeah. the same as root beer, but it's in the same. If you're grouping sodas. It's somewhere in between root beer and Coke.
0: Yeah, because so I can. T- I can personally tolerate. I can personally tolerate Dr. Pepper, but I can. I, I don't like root beer, but I do like root beer and a root beer float, which is weird. But yes, more of an um, ice cream I, I,
1: based drink. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If it's dessert, <laughs> I'll
0: have it. But no, I like people who just like. Oh, you know what sounds refreshing? A root beer. I'm like, ugh, yeah. gross. No way. Not for me.
2: Am I the only one on this show right now that likes root beer? What's happening? Root I thought, beer is delicious.
1: I thought you're supposed to be like the young, hip, fresh guy on the show. Like root beer, that's so and it's delicious. Uh,
2: that's ancient. I will say that like root beer from like an actual like company that's like yeah we brew our own root beer. Excellent. But just an A and W from the Seven Eleven. I'm I'll take a pass on that.
1: Fountain root beer is delicious. Yeah, no, no. Maybe in like maybe in like Great Depression times or <laughs> black and white photo days. <laughs> who, who, see, who do you ever see walking around just popping a root beer these days?
2: <laughs> give, me a, give me a moxie. I would absolutely <laughs> drink one. It'd be great. Or you put it in a glass bottle. I could bottle. be grainy. Yeah, glass grainy bottle root sure. beer. Deli- the, uh, the IBC glass bottle root beer. I will drink one okay. of those all the time.
0: Yeah, again, though, those are like more artisanal, and I'll give I'll, you those. I'll drink but,
2: Bark's root beer, or A&W root beer, out of a fountain.
0: What, Absolutely. What about
2: ginger ale? You get a nice yeah. refreshing ginger ale? No, nah, not a big fan of ginger ale. Never, oh, that's the that. that you draw the line Yeah, at. yeah. never never like ginger ale too much. All right, JR.
0: <laughs> Hold on, wait, real quick, JR. Are there any cocktails yeah. that feature a tortilla? <laughs> uh, uh, no, they're not yet. But, not uh, yet. Maybe we, can, maybe we can take something and then feature the tortilla as the vessel to drink it, so like, it's like the shot glass, yes. if you will. Yeah, I right. um, just have to fight, figure out how not to make it leak.
2: What are you making for us that normal people not named Mike Ramallah would drink?
0: So sangria, right? Mike, you wouldn't try sangria?
2: That's wine like, and fruit.
0: Wine and fruit, and yeah. there is a bit of alcohol-based, but it's, 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 it's easy on the palate, I think. So um, I think you might enjoy it. But yes, this would be a holiday version of a sangria that I'm going to do today. Um, people ask me all the time to make sangria, and I follow very simple... Kind of recipe, and then the things that you add to it are kind of what you can tweak in order to make it your theme, right? You know, so for in December twentieth happens to be National Wine Day or something like that, so I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll do a sangria for the holiday. I think people would enjoy sangria, um, you know, as they as they sit with their family during the holidays. It's nice because you know you can make this ahead of time. Um, you can you can just let it sit in the fridge, batch it, and then pour it off as you need it. So it's not like it takes a tremendous amount of work once, once the product is already made. Um, so you're going to need a bottle of red wine, some sort of red wine. Uh, it, something full-bodied is ideal, like a Merlot or Cabernet. Um, I don't personally prefer lighter wines like a, Mer- like a Pinot Noir. It just, to me, just doesn't have enough body there to hold up to the other ingredients. So something full-bodied. Um, I'm going to use like two cinnamon sticks that you'd buy at the store that you'd crush up a little bit. Like if you put it into a, a Ziploc baggie and kind of hit it with like the back of your hand or something like that to crush it up. You're not trying to make it into a powder. You just want to break the cinnamon sticks up to give you more surface area. So just break those up. Uh, one orange that you'd slice into wheels or quarters. Uh, same thing with a lemon, one and a half lemon that you slice into wheels or, or, or quarters. You're going to need some simple syrup, some fresh orange juice, and then um, some Domaine de Cantone ginger liqueur and, uh, Remy 1738 Cognac. So to build it, um, you, you, once you have all the ingredients, and, and these are these are all things basically that I've, I've used in, in recipes recently, so you should have them at the house, is you need a vessel large enough to kind of hold all these things, so like a pitcher or a, a large storage container, something to hold all these things. Uh, first things you're going to add to the mixture are the cinnamon sticks, two cinnamon sticks that are crushed, one orange that's sliced, and, the one and a one-and-a-half lemons that's sliced and four ounces of simple syrup. Once you've added the four ounces of simple syrup, you can add six ounces of fresh orange juice, six ounces of the Domaine de Canton ginger liqueur, um, and I'm choosing this particular product because it is ginger, and obviously that's a holiday kind of spice. Um, you could mix and match that, though. That could be Domaine de Canton ginger. That could be Grand Marnier. It could be Cointreau, um, anything along those lines, um, and, and it's still the same proportion, six ounces. And then you're going to use six ounces of a, a cognac or a brandy, I chose Remy, Remy 1738, uh, full body brandy or cognac, excuse me, uh, lots of kind of uh, spice flavors to it that it, is, it, it will go very well in this. But if you don't have Remy 1738, you're, of course, free to use anything that you may have. Even a dark rum would work nicely or a full rum would work quite, quite nicely here. Um. So that that can even play. I would steer away from like definitely steer away from vodka or gin or even bourbon here. Rum or cognac are I think your two best plays. Uh, kind of just put all of those ingredients together and let them sit overnight in the refrigerator for 24 hours. Um, the next day, you when you want to use it, or you it can be longer than 24 hours if you so desire. Uh, the next day when you want to use it, pour some over ice, about three to four ounces over ice. If you so choose, you can remove the uh, the lemons, the orange, the cinnamon, so you don't have it in your drink. And pour about four ounces over ice, and then give it a couple-ounce top with 7-Up or ginger ale, or you can even use some, like, Prosecco soda water mm. if you want to thin it down a little bit. Garnish it if you so choose. You can put cranberries on it for the holidays. You can use sliced pear. Uh, you can use rosemary, whatever you want to kind of embellish it with uh, to make it themed for your party. But the work is done once you put everything into the batch. Uh, and, and that's a really easy way to make a homemade sangria that, uh, that you have with, with ingredients around the house and then tweaking it to make it a holiday theme. In the summertime, you can take that same thing and flip out the, the red wine for like a light-bodied white wine and basically do the same thing, and now you have a summer sangria.
2: Important question for you. The cinnamon sticks, can we replace mm-hmm. them with Taco Bell cinnamon twists?
0: Uh, well, you could, but they're going to get really, really <laughs> soggy. And it's going to be kind of like this clumpy mess at the bottom. So I would not advise <laughs> to put cinnamon, uh, Taco Bell cinnamon swirls, or whatever the heck you just call them, in the bottom of the uh, sangria. You could garnish it with that, though, like a churro or something like that. That'd Ooh, be good.
2: A churro is a garnish. All right. Just asking. Because we got micromola <laughs> eating Taco Bell burritos in here. And, you know, cinnamon twists are one of the best things Taco Bell does. By Let's the way, see, how- what's next? How do you feel about Mike eating a burrito horizontally?
0: Um, it's weird, but also expected. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it, it's uh, you know, I wouldn't expect him to, I wouldn't expect him to like go in like, oh, this is how you do it. I would expect Mike to make his own assumption with how it's done. And that's how it's going to be. So that when he went on the show a year from now, he can be like, yeah, the one time I had that burrito, I ate it sideways. And you're like, oh, that's right. That's, you did eat it sideways. <laughs> it's just something he would do.
2: Well, he is J.R. Starkus. JR has always appreciated, even if Mike Ramal is in here to tell you he will not drink or eat anything. Thanks, J.R. <laughs> it's
0: worth a shot. You got a guy stuck you next week.
2: <laughs> so there is J.R. Starkus. All right. We got a four-pack of tickets to Disney on Ice. It's coming to Thomas and Mac January 6th through the 9th. Four pack of tickets to Disney on Ice. Plus, you are in to win a 55-inch 4K smart. TV. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. 702-364-1100. We will take caller number 11. You'll get four tickets to Disney on Ice and have a shot at a 55-inch 4K Smart TV.
0: 702-364-1100. You're locked in the press box.
2: Congratulations to Steven. He won a four-pack of tickets to Disney on Ice and is in to win the 55-inch 4K Smart TV. Um, I have a question for you two, because Vegas Rebel Drew on Twitter tweeted at the video Jared posted of Mike eating a burrito horizontally, saying, "This man acts like slingblade when it comes to eating basic food items." What is Slingblade? Oh you don't know. I have <laughs> no idea what that is.:
1: Slingblade is a movie. Uh, starring, do you know who Billy Bob Thornton is? Of course I do. Okay, he's an actor and he was in that movie. He wrote and starred in it and he plays a uh, like a mentally challenged man who like is just very, it's hard to describe without just outright doing an sling blade impression, which, which is, which is not, kind of problematic. It's just a little, yeah, I which I don't want to do. See. And also, it's like you wouldn't get it because you haven't seen it. So um, he murdered his mother. He does. He's, he's like... And her lover. Yeah. His father... This sounds sad. His father committed suicide. Yeah. And he's got, like, a lot of, like, good monologues in the movie. And it's like he... I think he won an Oscar for the the screenplay for it. But uh, that's what made Billy Bob Thornton, like, a big star back in the day. Back in the 90s. Got him,
2: Angelina Jolie. So yeah. that was that a good reference by Vegas Rebel Drew? I uh, Yeah. Yeah. Kinda. Okay. Yeah.
0: There. Not to you. Not making it to you. No, That's him no not idea. knowing his
2: audience. Well, no, no. He didn't tweet it at me. Only you two are on the tweet. Oh, I'm not okay. on the tweet. I think I think Vegas Rebel Drew is a uh, loyal enough listener that he knows that I would have no idea what Sling Blade is and might be the reason yeah. he dropped it in there because Ugh. I have no idea what Sling Blade is. No, it's a good movie if you get a chance to see it. Would most pe- It sounds very sad. I don't think I'm watching that. Would most people know what Sling it Blade is? It was very is? culturally relevant at the time.
1: Yep. And he's yeah. I, I, I want to lapse into the yes, impression. Yes, so, so do I. And, it, and when, when we reached... go off the air, I'll do it. So you're, te- <laughs> te-
2: you're telling me I should steer away from this, so you don't get in trouble by no. It's doing it, it's not offensive.
1: Minute. It's not offensive. It's just okay. I don't want to do a bad impression
2: because uh, it's, it's I mean, a little. If you do a bad impression, it slips into offensive. But, but it was
1: an impression that everyone did. And if like yeah. you, if like you, Billy Bob Thornton comes up, I'm sure people still do it to him on the street. These days, it's the, it's the most famous thing he's ever done. It is really. Yeah. Not by far. Bad Santa. Bad Santa. No, it's B- Slingblade. People probably call him Slingblade. They don't know you his seem, name. They're like, oh, hey, seem, it's,
2: look, it's Slingblade. You seem offended that Jared would even suggest that Bad Santa is better than Slingblade. I did
1: not better. I just said more culturally more cultural, prominent.
2: prominent. Okay. I've heard of Bad Santa. I have not heard of Slingblade. I
1: think people will call him, hey, look, it's Slingblade, more so than they would say, oh, look, it's Bad Santa. I think Slingblade is like his second name.
2: His second name.
1: Besides hey. Bob, which is his
2: actual second name. <laughs> Still got seven seconds. He's Mike Kamala. Thanks for eating a burrito and a McGriddle this morning.